Welcome to Women in Entertainment's In Her Words podcast. I'm Renee Rossi. And I'm Gretchen McCourt. And today we're interviewing Emily Hampshire, who is an actress and best known to playing Stevie on Schitt's Creek. Emily was just a joy to sit down with. We had so much fun with this conversation, and we hope you do too listening to it. So Emily, thank you so much for being here. We're very, very excited. We're we very casual, conversational. So don't, casual, yeah, casual. casual and editing and everything. <laughs> yeah. So we're but thank you so much for being here with oh, us today. It was a, a huge. We were very excited. Huge, huge Shit's Creek fan, which I don't yeah. think there's anybody in the world who's not. Um, I, I told <laughs> my, my dad what. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't get why it's funny, but yeah, (laughs) but yes, most people are. Yeah. Yeah. Most people are. So what, what we, um, we hear a lot about the projects and we hear a lot about Schitt's Creek and the stories, but we want to hear about you. So that's really what we try to do at Women in Entertainment. What we try, want to do with In Her Words, our new podcast is, um, is hear your story. And we do, we think that um, our personal stories help. They help the people coming up next. Mm-hmm. They love to hear about, I studied this in school or I never went to school. And so that's what we want to hear first is just kind of the Emily story of, of you uh, happy Canadians. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> We're so nice <laughs> and we're so sorry. We're always very sorry. Um, well, I'm, I'm Canadian. Um, I grew up in Canada. Um, from Montreal and do you speak French? I do in Montreal you have to go to French immersion which okay. is like from kindergarten to grade four it's all in French then four to six is half the day in English half the day in French so I can't read or write in either language but <laughs> ultimately yes I can speak French um, which I'm happy about um, but I um, yeah I started acting when I was 11 and just kind of became very obsessed with becoming the greatest actress of all time. Um, (laughs) Like literally wrote a contract with myself of like, that I would only allow uh, myself one hour a day of non-acting activities and like- I I read that you were, it was like, you only had like one hour that you allotted yourself for like non-acting activities. I stuck to it, but I wrote the contract. What's your teachers feel about that? Yeah, yeah. I'm a Virgo, I wrote the list, I wrote the contract. You signed it. Highlighted entire books. Um, But I was very, um, I think my piano teacher instilled a work ethic in me that was very much, well, it was literally, you can sleep when you're dead, which was her. (laughs) She's always in my head saying that. Um, But I, I think starting acting in Canada for me was, um, I think I was really lucky in that respect because people I know here, um, you either make it big right away or you are doing commercials and just trying to break in. And at least in Canada, there's a very kind of blue collarness about being an actor. It's really like you can do like 10 movies and nobody knows about them. So you can just <laughs> keep, you can keep kind of learning your craft there. Um, so yeah, I, I worked in Canada for a long time and then I moved out here and um, yeah, I don't know, I, I guess. I you, so you knew from 11 you wanted and you didn't waver from wanting to be, did you ever have that moment of, if I don't make it by this time, I'm only gonna give myself six more months? Oh yeah, and I'm so glad it didn't happen the way I wanted it to oh, because okay. I, I wanted to be, like at 16, I couldn't believe that I hadn't worked with Leonardo DiCaprio yet. <laughs> and I was really upset with myself about that. Um, Titanic but, came out. Yeah. It was like all, yes. you're like, oh, Kate. Everything. <laughs> and um, I think that what I was lucky about in retrospect was that I got to do, all, I got to fail and in, in like a micro level, mm. in like I'd, be in this movie that was gonna be the biggest thing. It was with Robert Pattinson and we went to Cannes and this David Cronenberg movie and you guys have not heard of it, um, but it was gonna be the biggest thing and then it wasn't. And to, to like experience those ups and downs, I think was really helpful for me to kind of learn what's really important at a younger age than like getting here and then Shit's Creek just becomes really successful all of a sudden after we were done. I think um, having that history helped me 
understand that that this could be fleeting and um, and to kind of take the opportunity to get another opportunity. Mm-hmm. With um, the post Schitt's Creek, is it, um, have you felt like, I mean, is Stevie so iconic that everyone expects you to be Stevie when they meet you? Or how is, how is that kind of changed your, your work after? Um, yeah, I did. I do feel like um, people do expect me to be Stevie. I think a lot of the time I think I can see people's a bit disappointment because <laughs> I'm much more um, not as cool as Stevie. Like, I get really excited and probably I'm more excited about the fan being excited about Stevie than I should be. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm i not like Stevie. I love Stevie. I'm Stevie's biggest fan. I take a vacation <laughs> from myself in Stevie. Um, but I love that character journey. I think, I mean, she becomes a businesswoman. It is... To me, the great when I signed on to that show, I really thought I was just going to be delivering towels mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to the family and saying a little sarcastic something. And ultimately, Stevie's journey was kind of mirrored mine in a way that I didn't even think that that character would be something as great as she is. And and Dan kind of wrote this amazing journey for her. So the the episode where. Mr. Rose gives you the makeup kit. Oh, oh is like hurt your stomach laughing. It is that is that's my yeah. favorite episode. It's so 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 fun. Especially because that you should know that that is very Eugene. Oh, that oh. Eugene, he tries really hard, <laughs> and it's the wrong thing. Oh, and it's so lovely. It's, it's so the most funny. lovely thing ever. <laughs> so yeah, that's the, no, that's great. Um, the um, you you I read an I read an interview where you said that about taking a vacation. She was a, a or that you're that you look at acting that way. That all of these characters are a vacation. Uh, from yourself, and you know, you kind of go on a little a little journey in someone else. That's I think that's an interesting thing for especially young people coming up. How how they go about their craft, I guess, is I think mm-hmm. is really an interesting way to look at it. Well, I think there's there's actors that I know that are very much bring themselves to the character, mm-hmm. and they're amazing at doing that. And I became an actor <laughs> because I wanted to be somebody else and so what I love is kind of getting stuff from my characters and um especially like playing a stronger woman than I feel like I am I I think it just kind of builds me up a little more each time you had talked a little bit about that with the rig yeah that was definitely something that and I do feel like I don't know if this I, I feel like hearts come to me at a certain time that are supposed to be like a lesson. (laughs) Um, But I did feel like that project, when it came to me, I didn't think I could do that role. I didn't think I would be taken seriously as the boss of anything. Um, And my agents really pushed me. My agents are always the ones who believe in me more than myself and make me rise up to to those occasions. Um, But it was such a challenge because to me it was this woman in a man's world that I had to have I thought I had to have that self-esteem to really kind of command these people. Um, And what I realized in doing it when I was talking to the director like the first episode I was like not only is it just a group of all these like men, they're giant men and they, I don't understand most of them because they are Scottish and wearing masks, but also um, I just, I think I put the UK actors also on a pedestal that they'd been to like drama school and stuff like that. And, um, and what he told me was he was like, but this is this is my character's name is Rose, and he's like, but this is how Rose is feeling in this moment too. Like coming, she's like coming on this rig that everybody in her life has always kind of made her have to work harder to get where she is because she's a woman. Like there is no 
well, actually, when I was researching the part, there is no woman in that field, um, in in that position that my character was in. Uh, there's nobody. And when I was researching it, I met with someone who was just a little lower than her in uh, geology, petrochemical science stuff. And, um, and she started kind of like crying, saying to me that she felt like my character was the first superhero she'd ever kind of encountered in that field because she was like the girl who played with rocks as a kid and was into geology and there was nobody else a female in that in to look up to. And I was like listening to these um, interviews that you guys were doing. I stalked you on the internet. <laughs> and, um, and just that if you can see it, you can be it mm -hmm. thing really resonated with me in a total, I've gone in a totally different segue, but it's just, I understood what she was saying that like now I'm working with female directors who are first time directors. And when I was growing up, that didn't happen. And so now I think, oh, maybe I could direct, maybe I could. So yeah, I think it's important. No, it's really important. And, and I think you touched on something that it we we look at that in the big categories like there has to be representation of women and there has to be represent there's there's a geologist yes. that wants yeah. to see themselves there's, yes there's so many little pieces of each of these characters that can really mean something to someone out there watching yeah yeah, yeah. There's been a, there's a there's a, a girl and I don't know I can't remember what the show was but she hadn't seen anyone with red hair and you huh. don't even think about like oh it's a woman and she's in this job and she's this and she's this and yeah. she's like she had red hair I have yeah. red hair well it's just like when it kills me watching that thing about the Little Mermaid with all yes. those kids seeing like. Mom, she looks like me. Yeah, it yeah. kills me seeing Or the that. little girl with glasses yeah. from Encanto. Oh, yeah. That was so sweet. Like all these little kids with glasses that were like, what? There's never been a Disney character yeah. with glasses like that. So there are, yeah, there are little things like that. So your geologists, all the geologists are Yes, like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's special. So with, with the rig and all the, the different projects, and you mentioned the Cronenberg, which I did, I had written down. Um, um, as you're looking at projects and now, I mean, with all of the different formats and all of the different services, do you, do you kind of wish, or do you kind of plan for where it's going to go? Or do you already know where, if it's going to be theatrical or if it's going to be a series or if it's going to be on a streaming service, do you have favorites now that things have gone um, in different places that you've worked on or, or what do you have preferences? I mean, I, to me, it's less about the the platform it's on because they keep changing, <laughs> and um, and and more about the story that's being told. Um, and what I've found now is like when I did when I was doing Shit's Creek at the same time I was doing this other show called Twelve Monkeys, and I had the opportunity to do this comedy and this like sci-fi drama at the same time and they both ended and I was like I have I'll never get this like it's only downhill from here <laughs> and that's when I started creating my own stuff and okay. it was something that I saw Dan do um, to have his hand in everything from the giant menus to the wardrobe to the story to and that was like I love that stuff and I it's always kind of been what I wanted to do but I used to think I had to align with the guy showrunner and give my ideas so I would get to do something or I never thought that I would be taken seriously to do it. Um, and I, after Schitt's Creek, I was lucky enough to be surrounded by people who like believed in me more than I did myself and pushed me. And so now the ultimate thing to me is getting to create my own stuff. I'm doing a this remake of this old show called Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Okay, which, can we just talk about that for a second? Because again, you guys are too young. I actually remember my parents watching Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and me because it was so ris risque and so out there. Sometimes they made me go to bed. I couldn't yeah. watch it with them. But that is I so- I love that you know oh about it. Oh my God. I was gonna say. Do you even know what that is? 
I've heard kind of it. Kind of. Uh, I can't believe you do. You're so well, dumb. I Why do you know about it? it? Because I was in this acting class, and I went to this acting class. It was 2009, and I wasn't getting work. And my manager at the time had said the reason that um, I wasn't getting auditions was because casting directors didn't think I was funny. So I went to this acting class, like specifically to fix the not funny in my sense of humor. And uh, after I did the the scene exercise thingy on stage, I looked to the teacher for her to tell me how to do that. And she said, um, have you seen Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman? And I hadn't, because we yeah. hadn't. Right. And she's like, you should watch it. She's your kind of funny. And uh, then, as an aside, that only a crazy person would spend a decade taking literally, she said, um, God, I love that show. They should remake it with you. Oh, <laughs> um, my God. So, yeah. 10 years later. Oh, mm, wow. But, yeah, I um, that's how. And so I went and I looked it up and I bought a really expensive DVD box set. Um, and, and, a, and, I, a DVD <laughs> and a DVD player. And a DVD player. And... She was my kind of funny. She was, um, and there were so many things I related to in it um, that I can't believe were being said out loud it, then. Yes, it yeah. was way what ahead of it. What year was it? Oh. It was 70s. Don't, 70s, don't make me say it, yes. It was in the mid-70s. Yeah. Do you remember sick. Soap? Would, did they talk about Soap at I the same time? Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, remember like, that watching it, but soap. I know. Soap and Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman were mm -hmm. both like very, those very cutting edge, yeah, yeah. It's like I started like Charlie's Angels into the 80s with like Heart to Heart and all of those. Those were, oh. that was like... That's, those are my cultural points. <laughs> yeah. I haven't in it, but. Okay, I just want you to know, we used to go out to dinner, we'd go to Farrell's for ice cream, and then had to hustle home so we could watch Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman. Oh, wow. So that's it. That's the that Los Angeles your... of the 70s. Oh, that's <laughs> so tell me everything. Where's it going to be? Is it going to be a series? Is it going to be? Um, well, I'm doing it with Norman Lear, who is um, the producer who created the original. original. He's yeah. He just turned 100 recently. Really? Literally, 100. Yeah. And he yeah, is all there, like yeah. amazing, so smart, so funny. Um, and yeah, we are, I'm doing it with Sony and um, and I don't know what I can, I'm allowed to say about it now, but um, when it's, -ish? it's uh, I, we don't have a, a when, okay. um, but we're in the writing process okay. and um, yeah, I just can't believe. So when you're what's making like, a list for the like premiere. What's it like working with Norman Lear? <laughs> Uh, amazing. Um, because also he's like, I really highly recommend his book. Yeah. It's called um, Even This I Get to Experience. And from that title, it, he really does lead with that genuine curiosity yeah. about life. And every his kind of motto is that every man is my teacher. And you see, that is the thing that keeps him young. Like everybody he speaks to, can he can learn from. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I just actually went to the 80 for Brady premiere with him and Rita Moreno. Oh my And because they're friends <laughs> and they invited me. It was very nice. Um, and they both do have that thing where they're so youthful. And she um, looks oh my God, I keep asking her, I'm like, what's your skin secret? Yes. And she's like, a Puerto Rican. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was amazing seeing that actually as, as a woman and actress, it was inspiring to uh -huh. me to think, oh, you can have a career after 20. <laughs> um, I think things have changed in yeah. such yeah. an amazing well, way. Well, and those women in there have led that charge. I mean, yes. Lily Tomlin and, and Jane Fonda, I mean, they oh think nobody's God. crap. Yeah. They are out there. They have another movie coming out, yeah. right? the two of them. Yeah. It was 90 with Brady, wasn't it? 80 with Brady. 80 for Brady. And now they, they and then Lily one. Tomlin and, and Jane Fonda have another one because they, yeah. they had so much fun on They're like a new like yeah. duo. Yeah, that yeah. they have another one. But no, that is, that is, uh, that is enlightening, I think, for everyone and that they're having so much fun. Yeah. And, um, do you, do you take mentoring? I mean, do you look at, me, uh, at people like that came before you and how do you feel about like your responsibility for, for those coming up? Oh gosh, yeah, I I do in in a huge way just because of the mentors in my life that affected me, um, and I I feel like um, I I was doing this interview in the UK and 
the reporter said to me, she's like, have you read Gina Davis's book? Um, and I was like, no, I didn't know she had a book. And she, it, it's called um, Dying of Politeness. Mm -hmm. She's like, I think you need to read it. <laughs> and because we were talking about stuff, like I grew up very much um, that, I was telling her that I grew up that asking for anything is rude. Like it, you should wait until you're offered. Even if you are like dying of thirst at somebody's house, you do not ask for water. Um, and I was telling her about that kind of upbringing and she, and then she recommended Gina's book and I started reading it and there's literally the exact same stories in there. And I feel like just even that kind of mentorship of seeing somebody who came before you in this field that that kind of overcame those things and like crushed those boundaries and um, that kind of and and I have recently felt not the obligation to be a mentor of sorts but like I kind of love it I I love the thing of like passing on some wisdom life lesson that I had to learn hard because mm -hmm. um, I especially feel that the generation now it's it's amazing the world now is so amazing for women um, in a way that for me I've gotten to see the change mm -hmm. like I got to I got to have a meeting right before the Me Too movement a general meeting that was very much like a date and, and normal, that was normal. And then right after that happened, I had another general meeting that was, they brought a script, they talked to me about a project, it was like night and day. And to think that all those things before were like normal to me. Like they had to like you Oh, first. yes, yeah, they yeah. Had totally had to like you. And it wasn't that anything like uh, happened necessarily in the meeting, but it was yeah. like, that's what I was, normal and you had to be liked like that. Um, and all those things that I see this generation doesn't have, like they see it in such a different way. I guess I sometimes take mentorship as like, I'm not doing, I mean, it's selfish. I'm like learning from them of what their, the younger generation's kind of point of view on things are without my kind of skewed perspective mm -hmm. of how they used to. Well, I think we were just raised differently around mentorship. You mm. know, it's like, I just look at it like, because we're similar ages, but looking back, I think mentorship was a, a word that was like, we were kind of, it was, it was like a word that existed in the dictionary in our twenties. Mm -hmm. And then as, then it started building, like it started just kind of building and and getting out into like the nomenclature and into culture and into the cultural zeitgeist and then it started building where like even looking back and from a mentorship standpoint you know people were I think they were mentoring without even knowing they were mentoring but it mm -hmm. wasn't it didn't have this yeah this yeah. is who what it is who are yeah. you yeah. how do you yeah. help me and yeah. this is what you do like yeah. it was just being kind yeah but especially I think for <laughs> was, women the way we grew yeah. up it was competitive like when I grew up as an actor you weren't friends with the other actresses. Mm -hmm. And then because there were only one good part yeah. and yeah, you were all yeah. pitted against each other fighting for it. And so now mentorship is probably what I'm thinking of mentorship is actually just being generous yeah, to it's another being, one. It's just being, being kind, yeah. Yeah. generous, of yeah. giving time, of giving advice. Oh, yeah. It's so, it's, it is, it's, it's just And we find was with women in entertainment, but women are so generous. Yeah. I mean, they want to give their time. They want to help and they want to, but I, I do, I think it's a shift. When you're, um, now that you're working on projects, like this and you're putting your team together does that look different than than the teams that you you know the behind the camera in front of that than what you worked with oh out? well I think it's just a different it's a learning curve for me in terms of being I'm I'm even embarrassed to say this word being a boss I find that word hard to say because I associate it with boss bitch and I associate it with like I'd agree with you boss right being a yeah. boss is like when people use the word boss I'm just like Ugh. yeah like it's and just, I don't want to be like that like it's because I want to be a good but like but the word sounds like, like I'm a good bad. leader a leader, leader. Yeah. that totally yeah. yes a captain of this ship kind of thing and yeah. bringing people together and helping them do their best and making like letting giving them kind of the space to 
be even better. And so that I especially learned in, um, I made this comic book um, called Amelia Airwood Basic Witch. And in that process of hiring illustrators and choosing someone to co-write with me and making decisions that I had to not only select people, but like direct it towards the vision I wanted was such a paradigm shift for me because I used to think that I my vision couldn't be as good as somebody else's. Like if someone had a different idea than me, I wouldn't be on my own team. I would be like, oh, that must be amazing. I'm Canadian, I'm nice, you're the best, I'm the worst. And it's like this, this thing that I'm always kind of trying to- What do you drink in Canada? Sorry? What do you drink in Canada? What like, do we drink? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, we drink self-deprecation. Um, but it is, and I do think it comes just from being the smaller thing to America. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it's also, it's a double-edged sword. There is the good of it. I think we have a lot of comedy. Um, a lot of comedians come out of Canada because yeah, yeah. it is, I think comedy sometimes to me is like the cry of the powerless. It's, <laughs> it's. I find sad yeah. things funny. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that kind of thing of really realizing that the direction I give to somebody else, it's not saying I don't like what you're doing. It's saying like, can you help me do this vision and maybe one up me on that? And mm -hmm. I keep trying to shift my thinking in, into how would I like to be directed? Yeah. How would I, because when I was doing it badly at first, I, I had to realize that like, oh, I wouldn't want somebody to say, oh, that's so great, and then go use somebody else. Because <laughs> um, you didn't want to say, well, that's not exactly what I'm looking for, but maybe if we switch yeah. the lines this way. And um, you know, who actually helped me a lot with this was um, my friend Jenna Lyons, um, used to be the um, the head, I guess, CEO person of J. Crew. She oh, kind of designer. Oh my gosh, Do you I'm obsessed a, with I her. I love oh, Jenna okay. Lyons. Yes. So, and I keep telling Jenna she's got to write a book. <laughs> oh and, my gosh. And I'm yeah. telling her, I'm like, if you don't want to write a book, I'm just going to like print out our texts where you, because she's also remodeling my, she's designing my reno thing that I'm doing. And she's helped me so much with, I was scared to say what I don't like in terms of mm -hmm. a reno for my house. And she's like, it's not, you're not hurting their feelings. You're directing it towards yeah. what you want. And I think just that fundamental thing of feeling entitled to what I want um, as a woman wasn't it's instilled awkward. in me. Well, I think, that, I think that's across the board. I think yeah. that comes with having empathy and that's having compassion and looking mm -hmm. at, you know, making sure everybody's okay. I think that's a maternal instinct in some ways yeah. that's for all of us that you walk in and you want everybody to feel comfortable. Are oh. you, are you the like, oldest? And you're like, is everybody good? No. No, I'm the youngest. You're the youngest. Mm -hmm. okay. But yeah. it doesn't surprise me that Jenna Lyons would say that to you, given she helped so many women find yes. their colors and their patterns out right? of J. Crew. Yeah. It's like J. Yeah. Crew has never been the same. I know. <laughs> she is amazing. And she does what I love is she'll sometimes she'll just give me the language shift in mm -hmm. which I think again, she needs to write a book because it's something that you're not taught how to be a leader in yeah. that way, in an encouraging way. Like my perception of being a boss or a leader is like, um, like those, oh, what's the, Gordon Ramsay, like, you yeah. know? Yeah. You know? I remember at one point we, we heard Jenna speak at a, at a Glamour event yes. and she said it was, and it was something that stuck with me as a leader. Um, and she was talking about how somebody, she said something to somebody on her team and that person, all of a sudden it became, well, Jenna's really angry about this. Jenna has to do da 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 And it like turned into almost like rapid fire. And she realized that she wasn't thinking that. It was just how her delivery, mm. that she's in a position of power. Yeah, and and, oh, and yeah. that was like, and all of a sudden the interpretation of her words then became like, you know, different because became of, a yeah. different because of the person she was speaking to was underneath her from mm -hmm. a level standpoint. And it just, it got manipulated. So she became very careful with her words and, ha and her delivery. So it couldn't be misinterpreted. Mm. And that was like a learning experience from her. And that's always stuck with me as a leader, um, you know, or whenever you're in a team to always be conscious of who you're speaking to, how it's directed. So it doesn't turn into 
something, yeah. a beast that you didn't even intend for it to be. Yeah, for, and for being it. conscious of a position yeah. of power, I think, yeah. has been a new narrative for everyone um, in a great way. Like, especially when I first came to L.A., it was very much like if you were an agent's assistant, like, you were going to be abused. <laughs> like, they, you were right. going to be treated very badly, yeah. and those were the, that was the initiative, uh, the initiation. Mm -hmm. um, and now I think, I don't know, there's maybe, <laughs> I do think that Schitt's Creek came along and put out this, a new kind of kind comedy into mm -hmm. the world. The world was ready for it. It was a perfect storm. But I do think, even with the pandemic and everything, we've all, become a little kinder. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. even even kids today in school, like when I was growing up, you were supposed to bully and be bullied. And that was the dynamic. Like now I when I go on the TikTok, when I um <laughs> when I take a gander into that world, I'm so moved by when somebody says a mean thing to somebody, all these other people are like, she looks great. She it's yeah. like like they're they're mean to the person who was mean. They're right, like, well, right. not even mean. They're just they're like, like, you know, no, yeah. yeah. Like this is not Which acceptable. Is so different from I think how we grew up. Yeah, but well, we also daughter. didn't have social media. So. No, we yeah. didn't. We Which didn't I'm dodge very that glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very glad we did not have that. I like that that it was a nice comedy. That it's true. There was a, I mean, it came around at a time where when. Um, because I think I was like most people that I caught on like season three, like mm -hmm. late. Well, now then I was trying to remember what was the first station it was on? What was the first channel it was on? Well, I mean, it was first pop. done pop, which yeah, most pop. people didn't okay, even know, know about. What, right. yeah. mm -hmm. it, I mean, I remember going to a uh, CBS party. And Pop was owned by CBS, right. and CBS did not know who Pop was in the, all the things. So it was, um, you know, we'd been doing, the show really only became seriously popular um, when we were done. Right, right. Um, and that it was went it on the last Netflix. season and all the Emmys? It was pretty much the last season. I mean, the season before, it, like, it went on Netflix, and that was okay. a really big okay. thing. But I think, you know, when everyone was in lockdown and forced to watch it. Yeah, it was. Did it do? Did you do it one season after all the Emmy wins? No, no, thank they were God. the last. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would. That would have been a lot of like. I think that was. <laughs> it was very shit's creaky and though in the way of like, for that show to win everything when it was done is kind <laughs> of great. So yeah, what was it like working with Catherine O'Hara? Amazing. I had actually done a movie with Catherine years before, and I remember I was going for my uh, U.S. citizenship, and when you do that, you have to get letters from famous people saying all these crazy nice things about you to prove that you are a person of extraordinary ability in your field. And so I had to reach out to people, it's torture, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if you'll remember me, but there's a write this long, torturous letter. And um, right away, she's like, of course. And like, just did this great thing for me. And she was just so lovely. And you know what? One of the first really generous women, like yeah. with me in that, like actress wise and stuff. I, I did find I, older women with me when I was younger were so good to me. Um, your peers at the time weren't because you were competitive, but like I did feel like I like Catherine and Sigourney Weaver and and people who were like top of their game were super lovely and generous. So Catherine, working with Catherine is like, I mean, both her and Eugene again are Canadian, and so the only downside is like if someone offers you coffee on set and you accept and don't instead buy everyone coffee and bring it, you are the diva. Cause like they are just those kind of people. Like they are so, there, there's no hierarchy or egos on like everybody's, we're all the same. And it was kind of very family in that way. Like family that like, like you. Oh, that's yeah. great. <laughs> Did you know anyone from the, the group before you? Just auditioned? Catherine, just, yeah. Oh, just the, and um, no, I didn't know anyone, no. We were um, we were talking 
last week when we were in New York and working on some things and we were talking about being workaholics <laughs> and, and liking, we were like, we got you've, we're at that point where you like, you can't get your hair cut because you're just busy doing oh, things. Yeah. And I read in, and I was reading an interview that you did and you, and you said you love being, you love being workaholic and you love work Well, I've and, accepted it now. Yeah, I'm yeah. not fighting it anymore. <laughs> Are your friends know you're a workaholic. Yes. <laughs> yes. And cause I was fighting it before feeling really guilty. I think mostly about relationships because you, you, you really, it's not good to be a workaholic in relationships. So I decided to get rid of relationships and just be a workaholic. Um, I do, I'm never happier than when I'm working. I, I do feel like, like I don't have kids and, but I feel like when I create something with somebody else and like collaborate on something, that fulfills that thing in me in a huge well, they way. They are children in their own way. Oh, That's why yeah. everybody calls their businesses their, their baby. Their baby, right? <laughs> and you send it out in the you world. You put it into the yeah. world. You're waiting like for it to grow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Going back to your graphic novel, what inspired that? Well, I was first, um, my one of my agents left during the pandemic to pursue his passion, which was always comic books. And he went to this company called Z2 that did, uh, their their kind of thing is doing comic books for big musicians and stuff and like collaborating with people like the Gorillas or Led Zeppelin, Weird Al, they have a book coming out. And, um, and he was like, I think Emily has a comic book in her. And he presented this idea an opportunity to me to make any comic book I wanted. And I was like, I'd That's never awesome. thought of that before until I realized in a comic book, like I could do anything, like no budget required, no health and safety. I made my comic, <laughs> she has a jello pool, like all, everything <laughs> I've ever wanted I could put in this yeah. comic. And so I was trying, but I was like, I need a good idea. Yeah. And I was just thinking about it and I was like, well, it's kind of, it's gotta come from me and my life. And I think I was, I was watching the Kardashians and I started to think, oh boy, if I just happened to be born into that family and I was like one of the sisters, I would be the worst Kardashian ever. <laughs> so the secret Kardashian. The that secret no, that Kardashian no one that nobody knows because she got kicked out of the reality show because she was so bad at, at all those things that they do. And so then I was like, I kind of came up with this idea that um, the worst witch in the world is born into this kind of family of super witches. They're like the Kardashians of the witch world. And they're all like really entrepreneurial and great at, like she has three sisters and they're all really great at being on brand and amazing. And Amelia, um, she's a shit witch. It was originally <laughs> gonna be called shit witch, but then I realized that was not a great idea. So she's just bad at, ma well, quote unquote, bad at magic, but you realize in it that ultimately she's trying to be what she thinks she's supposed to be, but the thing that she thinks is her problem ultimately becomes her superpower. And in writing it, I did realize that everything I, end up writing or creating from the beginning always ultimately has the same themes and it's always the lesson of the Wizard of Oz. It's always, it was always in you. You, you just you. had to find it for <laughs> do yourself. Do you find that as your own mantra, as your well, mission in life? Well, yeah, but it happens to me because people, I'll do interviews and people ask me about like the themes and stuff and I'm like, I don't know, but it ultimately just ends up being that about identity, it's a mother-daughter story. It's all my own shit that comes. So I don't know if I can say shit. <laughs> yeah, you can. I shouldn't have, you but um, okay. But it, yeah, I just realized that no matter what I do, it becomes that, even if I look at Stevie, like that's the journey of Stevie. It was always in you. You just had to, like everybody else saw it. You just had to believe it for yourself and you didn't even have to leave Shit's Creek to find, like you can stay there and be a businesswoman and, um, so yeah, that it's, I love it more than my comic book. I, I love it more than anything because I got to make the comic book that I would have wanted um, because I didn't read comic books as a kid because they were for boys, I thought. And, um, and it's just like, it's funny and I love her and she's the coolest, but like 
the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Did you enjoy the writing process? Mm. Very much so. Are you writing on Mary Hartman also? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That is, to me, my dream place where I don't have to leave my house. I don't have to get dressed or (laughs) anything. And I can just, like, imagine things in my head and they start talking and doing things. And um, I love that. But with Amelia, what I also love is whenever she gets anxious or uh, messes up or when she farts in this public way, she goes into her void, which is where she kind of like just goes and starts talking to the reader. And I just love giving this like, anxiety device for her where she can kind of come clean and be like so things are really bad and uh here's some puppies um and she's just like puppies right cute puppies yeah so uh, yeah I just I do love the writing process do you see yourself writing and then letting somebody else kind of take your baby and I would love to do that I um I did realize that with this comic book, with um, my lead artist, uh, Kristen Gutsnuck, when I would imagine something, i.e. a jello pool, and she would need to draw, and I know it's not technically writing, but for this it kind of is, because she would then send me back art that had a jello pool, but also around it had things like, you know, on the sides of pools, it says like no, no running, all that she has, like running aloud, cool people only, and like <laughs> one upping everything I would come up with. And that to me is the greatest collaboration. And then to ultimately, I would love to create stuff that like somebody takes and runs with um as long as they're the right people if they're not it's torture right yeah (laughs) I can't imagine yeah writing and being we were we've had a couple of of writers novels on that finally got into the oh they're gonna make my book into a movie oh torturous oh that would be very hard I don't think I'd want to do that it sounds like everyone's dream and they said yeah you have to go through the hell and then it becomes it becomes yeah because every that's the that's the love of novels I mean we all see it very differently Mm -hmm. as we're as we're reading it so how do you pick the one I know and I would find that so hard too because I even find it hard to let something out of my imagination and be, I don't know, some, like, uh, I haven't had anyone act my words yet, but as an actor, it's made me very scared because I'm like, they're gonna, like, just butcher it and not do it, because sometimes I wouldn't, it's made me very conscious of, like, when I do something now, I'm very, want to say every word that's written, but then you realize you just want somebody to take your thing and, like, make it their own and better, as long as they make it better. Right, right. What is the vulnerability like to put your stuff out there? Mm. I, I do think writing came to me at a time where I changed, I'd been in a lot of therapy, and before I would always look outside to be like, is that good? Even if I thought it was good, like I'd go to an audition and I thought it was good, I wouldn't want to say it was good in case they didn't think it was, and then it would seem like I thought I was good and I wasn't, that would be my nightmare. But when I started writing, I had gotten some self-esteem and uh, just, I started to realize like, oh, I actually, I actually like this. I, I think this is good. And sending it out, I was like, it wasn't that I didn't care if somebody liked it, but it was like, I, I would only send it out when I knew for me it was good. Mm-hmm. Whereas I guess with acting sometimes what I find hard being a bit of a perfectionist is that you, you're not in control of that finished product. But like when I send something out, I've written, I'm saying, I think this is good enough. Obviously want notes and all that stuff. But um, I, I think that was a big learning curve for me to, for the first time, I kind of remember it. I sent my first draft out and I was like, if, they don't like like I if they don't like it, I, that's okay. It's not 
for them. It's not like, it's just not the right thing for them. I've become much more um, okay with that. I think part of that might be also, I don't know if you've ever shopped for a house or something like that, but like I did that recently and you put offers on all these things that you think you're going to get. I start a cart. I start buying furniture for the house. I did like name the puppy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you don't get it. And then, but then when you find your house, you're like, thank God I didn't get that one. And so I kind of think I've now come to terms with like, oh, if what I have that I think is, the best and like my best version, if you don't like it, that's okay. It's just not right for you. It doesn't mean I'm bad or my thing is bad, but to get that belief in your own kind of creative thing, for me at least, has been a long journey. Well, it's letting go of control, of controlling other people, getting oh, controlling totally. expectation. And it's like, that's, that is such a huge hill to yeah. climb and let go of. So that's something yeah, I'm super that's proud so of. Yeah, that's so true. It is like you're trying to control other people in it's, doing that and, too. And control situations and outcomes. And it's mm. like, you can't. Yeah. No. Like, that's something that's just, and it takes so much energy that and so much insecurity. Yeah, <laughs> Those one woman shows you see. Those are, that's, what, like, the, they can, yes. that's what those are. Stand up is like yeah. the most frightening thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. If you think about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. It's, it's like, that's a huge, to be able to put something that you put your heart and soul into and put that into the world and yeah. be vulnerable to that and be able to accept what comes back to you mm-hmm. and boomerang, you know, that's, that's, in, that's something to be incredibly proud of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, you've just given me a whole shift on that too, because I didn't realize that is con- trying to control other people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, um, tell us what you're watching and what you're loving. And I know you don't have downtime because you work all the time, but are you, are there things that you, um, that you love to watch or, um, yeah, well, I I do have trouble watching television or anything that's not pertaining to something I'm doing or wow. like informative on that thing. So mostly I usually just watch murder, murder documentaries, all document because <laughs> I feel like I need to be well, murder is like or documentaries, not just murder, but mostly murder. Um I just am fascinated by it. So I mostly just watch that, but recently uh, I started r- watching um, Boy Meets World. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> and I awesome. love it. I've so never awesome. seen it before, and I'm like so into it. And I started watching because I got this haircut, and someone was like, "You look like Ryder Strong," and I thought Ryder Strong was so cute, and so I started watching it, and. I, and they have this podcast now, Pod Meets World, yeah, that I watch yeah. an episode and I listen to their thing. And so I'm on this whole journey Wait, that what's has. What's her name? Topanga? Topanga. Topanga. As a generational like connection there, I've also got into like 90210. They have that, they have a podcast out there, which is fantastic. It's um, Remember, like, what is it? Oh, I'm so mad at myself for blanking on it, but it follows every episode of 90210 oh, wow. and dissects the episode oh, from a God, cultural standpoint. Yeah. It's oh, abs- wow. You will, like, I've almost driven off the road laughing <laughs> so hard at how oh. these women dissect this. That's amazing. Again with this. That's what it is. And they've gone through every episode of 90210 and then Melrose Place. Oh, my gosh. That's oh, awesome. Oh, wow. And Melrose Place. And Melrose Place. So that is just hilarious. something. It's amazing how nostalgia Oh, yeah. When, I mean, when you're watching things, I mean, obviously the Gilmore Girls is always the top three on Netflix mm-hmm. and, you know, from, but when something went on Netflix, what was it? Oh, Jeopardy, old Jeopardy episodes. Oh, wow. I'd were, to yeah, to were to a top, that. were a top thing, but I think nostalgia. You're right. There is a huge, also kind of zeitgeist into nostalgia. If you think everything's being rebooted. Yes, and re- yes. Uh, visited. Well, didn't Norman Lear do, um, one day at a time. Oh, that yeah, was his yeah. last that was his... reboot that he yeah. just recently did that was super successful. Yeah. Okay, I'm oh. thinking of your magical life. I mean, Jenna Lyons and Norman Lear. I mean, really? <laughs> like, that's who that's you're hanging Friday out night. with these? I mean, <laughs> these, these days. That's a that's a very magical life. Thank you so much. I feel Thank like we've been fr- just friends chit-chatting. Thank you, and guys. Talking. Can't wait to listen to Don't tell us your... that you where you live here because we'll be uh, we'll be bugging you now to come do oh. our summit and all oh kinds my God, of different things. I would things. love to. I I also have, I mean, I, I did 
watch all your interviews. I watched your <laughs> TEDx talk. I watched oh everything. No. All you. All you. So, I was like, I'm the I'm the silent one behind the camera. <laughs> no, you've been you've had to, you've done interviews. Yeah. Yeah. You have. I'll send them to you. Oh. Okay. okay. Anyways, I, I'm a fan. <laughs> so you. and I feel Thank like I've you. been influenced by the work you did indirectly by everybody else and so um thank you well we gina has been a big partner her her whole i mean uh, the whole institute has been such a good partner to us and stepped right in i mean she was one of our very first speakers so yeah that i'm gonna write her a letter oh my gosh and it will mean so much to her i'm not kidding she it will mean so much much to her (laughs) it might be too much because there's (laughs) (laughs) they will they will it will be that's important to her that that her book and that her work she's brilliant she's so smart and all of this that she does but she uh, that will mean a lot to her so I love as we're talking to people I feel like all of these worlds cross over yeah. I mean some of them are just us being obnoxious like with Jenna Lyons but. <laughs> <laughs> like we wish she was our best friend yeah we want her to be our best friend and we'll I, like, a lot I of had on a Jenna yeah, outfit and can today. you borrow like yeah. something of hers to wear yes I've been in that like closet. I bought a no, lot no you haven't yes I I did I oh. and I even like kind of slept in that closet it's and all well her shoes oh. I, we I own the same more shoes with sparkles on them because of Jenna Lyons because I know of right and you I literally I'm like I don't I don't even like I'll wear them like like well, what was the show? And this doesn't have to be on our podcast. What was the show? She did the show on HBO Max, I think. Stylish with Jenna Lyons. Stylish. And what it, did it not? Did she well, choose not to go on? What happened with that? No, I think it was it was a combination of like COVID hit right okay. when they were ending and stuff. But that's actually how I met her because I watched that show it and was I was great. like, I'm obsessed with you. And yes. I had we had a mutual friend and. Okay, now you're our mutual, mutual friend. friend. Yes, yes, yes. No, she was, uh, that was a good show. And, it was great. And, and when you were talking about her leadership and her things, that's what I kept thinking of yes. was on that show. She was mentoring. She was so good. Yeah. And that is yeah. exactly why I wanted yeah. to reach out because of the way I just remember so viscerally her having a meeting with somebody she was letting go. Yes. And the way she did yes. it was so inspiring. Like, how can you be inspired by being fired? Right. And she did it. Yeah. And they were. And you're like, you're going to go on to do great things. Yes. Yeah, she was amazing. But that was a good show. It was. It was really I good. Had thought about that in a while. That was a good one. Well, thank you, thank you. so, so much. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe and leave a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. To stay up to date with In Her Words, join the conversation by following Women in Entertainment on our social channels and subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenininentertainment.com.